And on that note, folks, welcome to another episode of Not Another Film Podcast. This is the podcast where we take movies we used to love as kids. And we, we really, really re-examine them in the harsh and sobering light of 2022. My name is Ian Gears. I'm one of your co-hosts. And I am joined by the one and only, the, the wascally wabbit to my Elmer Fudd, Cole Goff. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm, uh... This this may be the most sobering uh, look I've had at any of the movies I've done in any uh, any podcast for this. This is true. All right, so the movie we're doing, folks, is Shoot 'Em Up from 2007. This this has come requested. This has come requested in the past. So you know, because I, I, I know you and I have talked about doing it. We've like tossed it out as an idea basically every time we've been brainstorming for a movie for like three years now and i think i just wanted an opportunity to rewatch it because i hadn't seen it since high school yeah. like yeah same we're okay so talk me through this when was the first time you saw shoot em up how often was this a part of your regular rotation i don't know it was it i probably saw it it came out in 2007 i probably saw it in like 2008 when it hit hbo because that's how i watched it it was just it was it was on hbo so much it was like an hour and 27 minutes and there was constantly something happening over that hour and 27 minutes so you could just like kind of turn it on and see something happen yeah so that's kind of i it's just a movie that i've seen like parts of a bunch of times on hbo when i was in high school um which i haven't really looked i haven't looked at the movie since then yeah i I, similarly i remember seeing this in theaters with i think i saw it with my sister and we both loved it we were both huge clive owen fans as one is because uh, Clive Owen fucking rules. As one should be. Yeah, because yeah, that dude rocks. Um, but yeah, and, and it was like at the height of Clive Owen's like fucking meteoric rise of the mid-2000s. Um, speaking of Clive Owen, I watched a movie, an older movie of his a few weeks ago called The Croupier that's on Netflix right now. Oh, yeah. Where he's just like, he's like a, a, a writer who's trying to write a story and, and, and then in the story he's writing, he's playing the main character but he's like a a grifter who's a a card dealer at uh casinos 90 minutes hella british that movie fucking rules it's so so much fun um and then we get things like shoot 'em up but uh (laughs) this movie feels also so much like a remnant of like the sin city era of clive owen like the hyper violence the cartooniness of it the almost like graphic novel nature of it is really really interesting to me that it just it continues to to be a time in movies where it's like you're getting brain dead fucking action and violence and like and like we're just gonna amp everything up to 11 but there's gonna be no deeper story to it like i really yeah and it was hard to find a modern analog for this I literally that is i i started that note that's like my final note in my list of notes and but I started it. It was the second thing I started typing out. Like the closest thing we have to this now is just as far from the standpoint of like there's this guy and if he has a gun in his hand and he pulls the trigger, someone's dying. Yeah. Like it's like John Wick, but the John Wick movies and all of those movies like Nobody and the, like those are so self serious. And this movie is like leaning into the cheese. Like it's self aware. It's like leaning into that whole side of it and it's like we had you know this and crank and like machete and it was like a three or five year period where there was a lot of this stuff like 
the losers and like like um, yeah. smoking aces and smoking stuff aces. Like that. I was thinking a lot about. It. I could not tell you the amount of times during this rewatch I was like, I should probably give Crank another shot, because <laughs> like, I liked Crank. I liked Crank when I saw it in high school. I've just never seen it since. Um, so yeah, so this movie, like we said, comes out in 2007. Great movie year, you know. No Country for Old Men, Zodiac, Shoot 'Em Up, a lot of lot of big big heavy hitters at the box office, and was written and directed by this cat named Michael Davis. So like only credited person. Here's what this guy has done. He did this movie called Monster Man. Ever heard of it? <laughs> nope. Nope. Me neither. He did a, uh, uh, which is like a hardcore horror genre film. Before then, he did two sex comedies called Girl Fever and 100 Girls. Um, and then before that, he did a kids genre movie called The Incredible Genie. So this dude is like, he's only working in genre and he hasn't really made a movie since Shoot 'em Up. Uh, he did a short video essay called Writing Shotgun in 2013, but that's about it. Uh, so this, I'm very curious about this person. Yeah, well, this movie, like, bombed, right? It was, like, yeah, it bombed $40 million dollar budget made $25 million or something like that. Yeah, $39 million budget. It made 27 worldwide. Only grossed $12 million in the States. Like, oh, that's yeah. not good. Like, I, I can vaguely remember. And it was one of those movies, like, when I saw it in theaters, I was just like, Jesus Christ, this movie's brilliant. How is this going to, like, this is going to make buku bucks. <laughs> but that's because everybody thought after Kill Bill came out, they were like, oh, I can make an action movie that like, is, is more about, like, world building than it is about necessarily giving you satisfying story. <laughs> yeah. Like, what people don't realize about the Kill Bill movies is that the story of Kill Bill is fucking amazing. That's why part two is even better than part one. But, I yeah, this this one was interesting. Because um, I found a couple modern analogs. The problem was, when I was like, oh, that's a really good modern analog for shooting up, I was like, but I don't like that movie. Yeah, it's like the new Suicide Squad. I was like, that's kind of close to what this is. Yeah, I was like, there's a movie that came out on Netflix last year called Gunpowder Milkshake that I like really oh, wanted yeah. to see, which features Paul Giamatti pretty much playing the exact same role <laughs> that he plays in this movie. Um, at one point, Paul Giamatti says, get yourself a pair of boomsticks. Like, that's the movie that that movie is. And it's just not... It's just not what you want. And it's a great cast of people, but it's, again, it's so much more about style than substance. And then I did the foolish move because this movie's not streaming anywhere, that it was $1.99 to rent or $4.99 to buy. And I was like, if I rent this and I really like it, I'm going to kick myself for not having spent three more dollars and just bought it. So I bought this movie. And now I got I got. When are you going to watch face. it again? When are you going to rewatch it? <laughs> really all it is is like, I think my sister has signed into my Apple account and she likes it. So I'll just be like, hey, Megan, guess what? Shoot 'em up is on there. Have fun. <laughs> um... So yeah, so we begin this movie in like war-torn, hellish New York City of the 1970s. <laughs> like Joker is happening right down the street. They like never walk near a building that is actually like an operating business or like other than the gun shop. It's like every building there outside is like an, an abandoned warehouse <laughs> or yeah. like some kind of industrial facility with no one in it. 
like even the gun shop though is like this is like from fucking spy kids it feels like it's like there's just like colors and like it feels like a candy store and and yet this movie i think is trying to have something to say about gun control at the end yeah <laughs> maybe. maybe um but yeah so we get introduced to mr smith played by clive owen uh sitting on a park bench uh sipping a uh, a pagoda like cup of coffee and uh eating a carrot and he's stirring the coffee with the carrot like a monster and we see a lot of disgusting carrot work in this movie disgusting and great i will say i think some of the carrot antics are very fun yeah yeah like there are a couple there's a lot that i still am like was wrestling with myself for like i would say the first 15 20 minutes of this movie i was really all in and then i was like oh this has no more tricks up its sleeve yeah uh but I really, I like the, within the first three and a half minutes of the movie, here's what happens. Um, you get a pregnant woman walking by Clive Owen, screaming and like, is she bleeding out or is she just, her water broke? Uh, yeah, I think um, her water broke. So she's walking past him and he just kind of follows her with his eyes. And then a fucking gangster walks up behind her with a gun and he's like, shit, now I got to intervene. So in the first 30 minutes of this movie, we get... Clive Owen taking a carrot to the throat of this fucking gangster, which is a badass move. And when he does that, do you know what happens, Cole? Do you know what happens when he puts this carrot in this man's throat? What? Breed by Nirvana starts. <laughs> and it fucking rules. Um, and literally my note is this carrot spawned breed by Nirvana. Kill Villas changed cinema for the better. <laughs> um... And, you know, he's got... This movie is also 50% one-liners. We get, like, you know, he's got, like, the famous eat your vegetables line here. Yeah. Um, So, again, kills this gangster. Other gangsters show up. uh, He finds a gun. He's shooting all of them. And then this baby has to get delivered because, oh, no, she's in labor. So Clive Owen, a man she has never met before, that definitely is gross and dirty, (laughs) like... Just like I, I, you cannot tell me this guy doesn't smell like complete shit. Is like I'm gonna deliver your baby for you, and when he does, it's a there's a huge gunfight going on, and then he the the final move, the fucking crude d'état at the end of it is he shoots the umbilical cord, and the, the woman goes like the absolute hey. the the terrible CGI on that umbilical cord. Anytime they try to do any digital effects in this movie, it looks like all of the digital blood is so bad the the skydiving scene is so the skydiving bad. scene is like you and i could come up with a better skydiving it scene looks right like now. a music video from like 1999 of people skydiving but again i didn't know if that was the point and i, I guess it's because it's one of the only scenes of this movie that happens in daylight mm-hmm. and it looks atrocious yeah because it's got that like, like weird filter over it the grime filter for like the, for yeah, the, the Zack for the Snyder filter. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he delivers a baby, shoots an umbilical cord, kills an entire room full of dudes. Nirvana's breed is playing. I pause the movie. Three minutes, 49 seconds. I'm like, damn, that's how you start a movie. High school Ian is stoked right now, having a really great time. <laughs> then we get the first of the, like, really disheartening moves towards this fucking mother in this movie. Where he's like, you got to feed your kid. He's hungry. 
Or he's like, no, he's like, you, your kid is loud. You got to shut him up because we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. And this woman has no lines in this movie, pretty much. And he fucking rips her dress open and just, like, shoves the kid on her boob. And, like, that's not cool. This is a hero of this movie. But this is 100% played for a joke. Yeah. And, so uh, what do you, what's what? the statute of limitations on forced breastfeeding for you? I mean, it's been, what, what, it's been 15 years. I don't really know if I, I don't really, I, I'm not really here to uh, argue the politics of, of shoot em up. I just wanted to talk about uh, the, you know, all of the cutting and the action scenes, which I remember the action scenes being great. And yeah. now I'm just like, oh, they're all super choppy. And like, <laughs> just, I forgot they turned, there's like a whole Home Alone section in the the gun manufacturer warehouse. That was, you know what? I liked that. Though. <laughs> I had a good time. It was very silly. Um, so then he's carrying the mother who's carrying her baby and running around. And this is also like, there's a scene of Clive Owen in like a tank top in this movie. And he's not super buff. <laughs> so it's just like, a, it's, it's just a funny moment. It's also really funny to think I was reading this uh, like behind the scenes stuff. Um, apparently... This was, like, right after he got passed over for Bond. He, like, decided to do this movie. And so there are a couple, like, fuck James Bond jokes in this movie because he was so bitter that he didn't get cast by the Broccoli family. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. And it's just very silly to me that, that, like, Clive Owen was just kind of like, man, fuck you guys. I could be James Bond. I'm going to play Mr. Smith and shoot him up. (laughs) But um, as he's running with the mother, we get the second major needle drop in the first 10 minutes of this movie. Nirvana gives way to Wolf Mother and the song Joker and the Thief. Oh, yeah. I, for- I forgot all of the music like fell out of my head. But yeah, I, I do remember noting that. When he- I was like, this really dates the movie. Like I know, like I would now have been able to guess that this movie was in 2007 without having looked up when this song started I, I, playing. I got to say, though. I did listen to Wolf Mother last night because <laughs> I loved that first album and I was like Joker and the Thief's a bop this this song is exclusively in like this movie and like a jackass trailer and that's it <laughs> Um. so yeah so this is where I guess the next set, action set piece he's, he discovers the mother has been shot in the head in the in the, the gun spray yep dumps her body takes the baby dumps her takes the baby uh, Oliver, as he will soon be be known as, and he goes to he's like walking with the baby. He realizes he's being followed. He goes into a bathroom at like a train station. No, he like walks to like a s- elementary school like gymnasium at one point, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, there's just kids about. They're just fucking kids. They're the the amount of weird imagery of parenthood in this movie that it's like trying to always be reminding Clive Owen like. You know, you could be a dad. Like, and we find out later on that he he was a dad. Yeah. But his kid his kid was killed. Um and yeah, I don't know. It's odd. It's like again, there are so many moments where I was like, I don't know if this is trying to be tongue in cheek with with like the heart aspects of it as much as it is with the action aspects. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's trying to be sincere. Oh, at yeah. least it, by the end it is. Which is why the the other comp that I came up with 
but again, it's a movie that I'm not a fan of, was Baby Driver. Yeah. Where it's just like so much style, so much substance, a lot of really cool action scenes. But then the moments of like heart that it tries to have just ring completely false because there's nothing going on underneath the style. Yeah. Uh from like any of the actors, from any of the writing, like it's just not. It's yeah, just the not writing, there. the writing and dialogue in that movie is, is worse than the writing and dialogue and shoot 'em up. In my in my opinion, oh, no, <laughs> I think I Baby Driver I, I think is, I liked... is terrible. The writing in that movie is so bad. Yeah, I think I, I like this movie more than <laughs> Baby Driver. I'll, I'll preface it by saying that. Um, but we get to this this really cool scene where he is standing on a toilet. And the gun falls out of his hand, falls into the toilet. Of course, there's going to be CGI shit in the yeah. toilet. Because we all saw train spotting and we're like, people love it when there's shit still in these toilets. Yeah. And, and he then he's, he, yeah, he takes the, the gun out and puts it on the changing station and just cleans it out. I do, but I like that. I like this scene because yeah. it's like he leaves the baby on the gross bathroom floor, opens up the changing station for his gun, and is drying the gun with the hand dryer while, like, the guy who's been following him is, like, slowly getting closer and we're intercutting. Like, he's taking apart the entire gun systematically. And, like, this is, a, I think this is a pretty well edited sequence. Yeah. Like, I think the tension works here. It's pretty clever. It's very funny. It's all wordless. There's only maybe like 60 lines in this movie total and half of them are one-liners and like punchlines. Yeah, I was still I was still pretty all in on the movie at this point when I was watching it. That would be a good question to ask is like when did you when did you fall <laughs> off? <laughs> um so he but he dries the gun for the most part. The guy uh comes in that's following him, but this guy looks a lot more put together than the other gangsters. And they have an, a fun little shootout in here. Where the there's the really gross is. part where uh, where Mr. Smith slides across the the ground underneath the stalls in a bathroom, like picks up the baby while he's sliding, yeah. like pretty rad move, <laughs> pretty rad move. My favorite move in this entire maybe this is how we'll do it is we'll just go through with our favorite move in every fight scene. My favorite move in this fight scene is when the uh, the gangster who's following him has the gun in his hands and Clive Owen's holding the guy's hand and he puts his hand directly under the dryer, the air dryer, <laughs> so that it heats his hand until it's too hot for him to hold on to the gun anymore we get another moment similar to this at the end this foreshadows another moment with uh hands and heat and how they work with a gun yeah but i i liked this moment a lot but he leaves the guy alive yeah you know um and then he also, also uses the this- air dryer to to finally dry his gun out and then he yeah he disarms the guy by shooting right next to his ear to like startle the guy and make him drop his gun right and then he just yeah. like leaves him alive. Well, now. and we get the background history later on, but I guess we can bring up this conversation now that he was a gun runner. Like he was a he sold guns to people, right? Because they say he sold the guns to the guys that ended up killing his wife and his kid. Yeah, I, I, um, I might have completely just like in one ear out the other when he explained that. I, I, I guess my question would just be like, how is a gun runner? this well versed in shooting but i guess maybe like whatever well, he maybe does, they do think... they explain that how he was like a championship like arch or like a championship marksman and then got like recruited into some like black ops group and then i guess maybe later was part of an operation and they sold guns but yeah i don't i i kind of i i, I can't say i remember the finer details <laughs> completely went over my head i watched this 
stone sober at two thirty in the afternoon the other day, and I was, I was the amount that this movie was entering one ear and exiting the other ear as it happened. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this is where uh, we get a moment where he's on the bus. He sees the um. He sees a baby who's like happy with his mom because he's got a little beanie on his head. And he's like, oh, obviously it's not that this baby has been around a shit ton of gun violence or anything while my baby's crying. It's because his head is cold. <laughs> so he takes off one of his gross fucking socks and puts it on this baby's head. This baby looks like dopey from Snow White for the rest of this goddamn movie. <laughs> um, and I, it's at this point that I noted, like, it's very, very ironic that Clive Owen followed up Children of Men with this movie. Yeah, I, I can't remember. If I, I know I looked it up and texted you, but he did. He did Children of Men and something else, some other really good part the year before this. It must have been like closer or something like that. Because hold on, I, I need to pull it up. Because Clive Owen's run in the mid two thousands is like one of the most unassailable runs I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, he like um, Born Identity. Yeah. Okay. So here's what here's what we got. 2004, Closer, 2005, Sin City, 2005, Derailed, which is an okay thriller. <laughs> Holy shit. He does Inside That's Man in 06, Children of Men, follows it up with Shoot 'em Up, and then then we're in a little bit of, of a decline. <laughs> yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff since then. I just can't say that I've seen much of it or liked what I have seen. No, I'm looking through it now. The only thing I can think... I've heard great things about The Nick. I've never seen it. Um, yeah, as far as the then, movie yeah. side... Yeah, Val- Valerian might be the, the the only movie I've really, <laughs> even, like, ironically enjoyed since then. Yeah, I would say Valerian, and then he's playing the same exact character from Valerian in Gemini Man, which is not a great movie. Um, but... One of those very, like, this movie looks really weird because it was filmed in a high frame rate movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what happened. He was so good. He is still so good. Is it just, like, wrong projects? Like, do people just not know what to do with Clive? He's, he was also just playing Bill Clinton on the impeachment show on the Ryan Murphy oh, yeah, show. yeah, that's so weird. I forgot about that. <laughs> And so many people have told me to watch it, and I'm like, I don't know how to tell you I don't care. I, yeah, I can't can't make myself watch a Ryan Murphy show at this point. I just don't care. I don't I don't care. Um, anyway, so we got a sock, pa- sock cap on this baby. He decides to like, all right, I'm going to leave this baby in the park. Like, I'm going to abandon this child. I'm going to abandon my boy. And he leaves it on a park bench. Or no, he leaves it on like a fucking rock. And then he walks away. This is where we get the worst acting in the entire movie, which is this fucking lady who walks no, he up leaves and just it on the yells. merry-go-round in the park in the kids' oh, right. park. <laughs> he leaves it on the merry-go-round. This fucking woman walks up, and li- her literal only line is "Someone left a baby," <laughs> and she delivers the line exactly. And you don't like see that her make the, gets- You don't see her like you hear it as like ADR, and then it it turns and there's just a woman walking towards the baby, so you assume it was that woman. The voice does not match the body at all. It could be like fucking Sweetums from the Muppets. Just like, someone lost a baby. And then it just flashes to this blonde mom walking up to this carousel. And then she, her fucking chest explodes. Yeah, because pa- with Paul Giamatti, he like literally could have killed. He's His goal isn't to retrieve the baby. He is specifically trying to kill the baby. Yeah. And 
yeah. he chooses to go out of his way to kill this woman instead of taking the first shot at the baby. So he kills this woman, which alerts Mr. Smith, and then Mr. Smith then rescues the baby. But like pretty rad but rescue. Giamatti just went out of his way to ice this woman. Paul Giamatti is off his fucking rocker it, yeah. in this movie. He is he is on He's unbelievable. Something. He's great in this He's movie. He's like <laughs> He's really fun. I do I do like it a lot. It is a gross, gross performance. He's exactly the guy that you want doing this part. <laughs> yeah, I would I very much agree with that. He's like the he's our main bad guy in this movie. Uh, you know, because when I think action bad guys, I think Paul Giamatti as well. So he's like really I mean, bad comb over, terrible goatee, a lot of close-ups on his teeth. Not a fan of that. Um and and he we, he does one move, which we did not mention before. He pulls up the dead body of the woman and, like, takes it with him. And this poor actress, her boob is still out sitting in this car. And Paul Giamatti just goes to, like, hold the boob and, like, has a moment with it. And then that leads to the brain blast of, like, oh, Clive Owen's probably trying to get this baby some breast milk. Yeah, when and he said the line, find me every wet nurse lactating hooker and mammary on tap in the city. Yeah, I had mammary on, mammary on tap is one of the most upsetting <laughs> lines that I can imagine in a movie. Um, but this leads us to a scene where it looks like Clive Owen's going to a church, but as soon as the nun opens the door, oopsie daisy, she's not wearing pants. And this is just like a, a very specific bordello, I guess, in the heart of New York City. Um, so it's, yeah, and he, this is where we get introduced to Monica Bellucci as a sex worker who is still lactating. And like, that's her kink for people. Um, and so he finds this old, this older guy who's in a full on diaper, yep. trying, which is, I don't want to yuck someone's yum, but my God, man, look at your life and look at your choices. Uh, just not what you want. Um, Cole, where are you at on Monica Bellucci's performance in this movie? It, it's not it's not what you want to see Monica Bellucci doing. Um, this is Persephone from The Matrix, you know. This is a big, a big actor. I, yeah, I... It, I I don't know. Like I said, it's not what you want. It's I, I don't really think it's her. I think it's just that that character and every scene with her is in like a completely separate movie from everything else and it just none it doesn't really line up that well like it is very like i don't know sweet and attempting to be romantic i guess but yeah it yeah we're we're playing really we're really really digging deep into this like into the hooker with a heart of gold sandbox here um Apparently, her and Clive Owen have had a past. They know each other. They've they've definitely hooked up a couple times. We don't know what Clive Owen was specifically going to Monica Bellucci for, whether he's also into the lactating. <laughs> um, but if he's also just looking for a mammary on tap or what. But Clive they definitely Owen, uncredited, was the guy in the diaper. But what what an actor. We were just talking. The range. The range <laughs> on this guy. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I... It, it, Monica Bellucci in this role, it reminded me a little bit of... I, I'm I'm assuming you have not watched Deep Water yet. And, no. Uh, and you know what, Cole? I'm here to tell you... Well, we you, watched like the first 15 minutes of it, but didn't continue beyond that. I'm here to be the one to tell you if you don't continue, you're okay. 
Ben Affleck was still getting cucked it by that 20 year old guy at the party when we turned off the movie. Let me tell you what, if you watched for another hour, you'd be thinking the same exact thing. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of those great movies where the movie doesn't really start. This, this sex movie doesn't start until Tracy Letts shows up. Uh, <laughs> that's when things really start to get interesting. Um, that is what you want. But it did remind me, Ana de Armas' performance in that and Monica Bellucci's performance in this are very similar to be like, we're just kind of here to be sexy and there's really not a ton else in our character. And it's disappointing because Monica Bellucci is like a good actor and has done really good, specifically in Italian movies or in season three of Mozart in the Jungle. I was going to say Mozart in the Jungle, very, very good Monica Bellucci performance. She's awesome in that in that TV show. Um but yeah, so it's like she she can do this well, but it's like I don't know if it's it was the bad directing. I don't know if it was the I, bad screenplay. Yeah, I think it's most mostly the problems. I think are mostly behind the camera. Because I can't imagine that there was any direction aside from just kind of like look hot and walk around. But I will say I did find this kind of interesting. I looked this up. Three leads of our movie. Three leads in this action movie in the mid two thousands: Clive Owen, Paul Giamatti, Monica Bellucci. Of those three, who do you think is the youngest person? Uh, I would have guessed Clive Owen probably. Is it is it Paul Giamatti somehow? It's Paul Giamatti. Who do you <laughs> wow. think is the oldest? It's Monica Bellucci, right? Monica Bellucci is the oldest yeah. by by like a few days. Like she and Clive Owen are the same age. Oh, really? Yeah, they were both I think 43, 44 when they made this. So I do I do enjoy the fact that at least like the romantic interest is the same age as the protagonist. Yeah, and, almost like, exactly, I guess. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, I mean it also doesn't hurt that like Monica Bellucci's probably one of the most beautiful women ever so it, yeah you know I can't imagine she's having a difficult time getting into at least movies of this quality I hope that she deserves <laughs> she deserves better uh, <laughs> as does Clive Owen and Paul Giamatti for that matter but uh, yeah so this is we we get a sequence in this in the the bordello where Monica Bellucci's like, I'm not taking care of this baby because Clive Owens is trying to pawn it off at this point. And he's like, fine, fuck you. I'll take the baby with me. So he leaves. Then Paul Giamatti comes in and we get this fucking weird torture sequence with Monica Bellucci that goes on way too long in this 86 minute movie where he is firing his gun and then putting the like piping the hot yeah. Yeah, nose of the gun like onto her thigh and then like slowly creeping it up it's like a bad outtake from benedetta it's not <laughs> it, like it was very upsetting to me and even more upsetting that like she gets burned like twice and then she still is like she doesn't move she doesn't really like she like yells when it happens but there's no i don't know it was weird that there wasn't more of a more of a, a fight in this moment between yeah the two. i don't know i don't know if paul giamatti is just that uh that intimidating he's so charismatic he keeps getting <laughs> phone calls also from his wife in the rise of the valkyries plays yeah and it's it's a really weird subplot we never see his wife we never hear his wife he talks shit about his wife the whole time um he has a, a he's really actually pretty i feel like he's pretty uh he, he's i don't think he talks shit about his wife and then at the end he's she she like divorces him as he's dying yeah well no he says that terrible like joke where he's like you know why a gun is better than a wife because a gun has a silencer. Like, it's, it's like a very like 
and nowadays we'd be like, oh, what a gross, mis like misogynistic joke. In 2007, I can guarantee you people were laughing at that joke in the theaters. I was probably laughing at that joke in the theaters. <laughs> I wasn't above it. I was like 15, like, <laughs> my wife. Like, w I get Women, it. right? Women. <laughs> Am I right, Paul Giamatti? Um, but finally, Smith comes back. We get a nice shootout here at the bordello um, where there's tons of casualties. He kills an entire... Uh, he comes into the room and he has already decimated the fucking hall of people, Duncan Idaho style. And then he shoots Paul Giamatti in the chest and leaves with Monica Bellucci. Now we're on the run. Now we're in act two. And Yeah, but we Paul think Paul Giamatti's dead. Not really. You gotta, it, it, I, you gotta assume he's wearing a, a bulletproof vest, which it turns it, out he is. You can't kill Giamatti like this. Also, well, by the way, Paul Giamatti, welcome to the Not Another Film Podcast Hall of Fame. Big fat liar. And now shoot him up. I'm surprised we haven't done more. Honestly, if he had played Marty Wolf from Big Fat Liar in this movie, would have loved it. Because I don't even know this guy's name. But yeah, my next note here is just Giamatti is out of his hat in this movie. <laughs> Um, but then they go to a safe house. They go to Smith's safe house. Um, and this sequence I really quite enjoy as well. Again, it's just all this movie is is going from one location to another location, and then there's a big shootout there. Then they yeah. go to another location, big the, shootout there. But the fucking Sherlock Holmes leap of logic he makes when he's flipping the channels on the TV and is like, do you notice the, the politician talks and he cries? And then, but the death metal plays and he's quiet. I wonder if he was raised next to a death metal club. <laughs> so when they leave, when they leave after this next shootout, they go to a death metal club and just happen to stumble upon this like baby breeding facility. <laughs> this is so odd. Okay. So talk, can you talk me through the baby breeding facility? Cause I actually think I was too confused. So the, the senator that that Mr. Smith, spoiler alert, assassinates later in the movie. I can't believe um, you ruined that for everyone. He is apparent. He has some kind of disease and he needs bone marrow. But I guess I didn't know it was that hard to get bone marrow. But I guess it's just so much easier to get bone marrow if it's a family match. So they have, like, for this senator, it's a very, like, government conspiracy, like, thread, like, a weird conspiracy thread put through this movie. But, um, yeah, so, like, he's basically there. They just have this clinic above this metal club, and it's just, there's just, like, fridges full of sperm, all from the same person. And then we were, it's revealed later that it's all from this senator. Hell yeah. But, um, but yeah, so they're they're having these babies so that the babies can grow and give him. So basically, they're har harvesting these baby these babies for bone marrow to uh, to give to the senator so he can pass gun control. It 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 is it might it's like QAnon, I think basically. It kind of is QAnon, yeah. This movie it's is like, like it's like Hillary QAnon. Clinton is, is is like murdering virgins and bathing in their blood and drinking stem cells. That's why and I was so like, because it cabal. is, they make a big point of always underlining that he's a democratic senator, like <laughs> that he is like, this like weird anti-liberal movie that we're watching. That's like, yeah, you think he's the good guy because he, he's on a platform of gun control, but actually he's in bed with the fucking gun runners. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So the, the fridge full of semen really put me off. How long, how long does that take to, to accrue? I, I can't even imagine. 
Like, <laughs> and he's like, he's like in his 60s or 70s. <laughs> or it seems like at least. Oh, yeah. No, that man was 28 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you never, Ray Liotta is supposed to be 18 in Goodfellas, so you never yeah. know. That was Josh Hawley, and he just looks old as fuck. <laughs> He's got this rare bone disease. He <laughs> needs to keep farming children. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was like when they open up that fridge and you just see all of this, all of the sperm and everything. I was like, this is fucking vile. This movie lives at the corner of like Gross and Zack Snyder Avenue, and I'm not into it. <laughs> But, uh, cause this is essentially kind of, or not kind of the same plot, but it's a very similar plot to like the twist that you get in like Sucker Punch, which is one of the most vile movies ever made. <laughs> um, a movie that I would happily do on this show, even though I've never liked it at any moment of my life. I've never even seen it. I think I was out on Snyder by that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, so they find out about this baby farm the thing I like about this scene is through the whole shootout that we get here, the baby is like the every time you get a close up on the baby, it really feels like they rubbed like a thimble full of rum on the gums of this baby. He is <laughs> high as shit for most of these. They've sequences. got like three different kids playing this baby. <laughs> and no, you look at the cast list. They cast the baby before it was born because they knew that the mother was having twins. Twins, yeah. So it's easier and to film with twins i guess yeah child labor but they wanted the baby to look like a newborn baby gotcha makes sense because authenticity is really important for shooting yeah um yeah they should have just had to be like a toddler like come out of the womb like four years old have a full head of hair can walk yeah why didn't tremblay do this shit why didn't they just put (laughs) tremblay's face on this baby he would have been great that kid's a great actor but Um, yeah, I don't. The, the other thing that's horrible about this scene at the metal in the metal club is Monica Bellucci like reaches down the pants of the dude, like the the metal oh, yeah. guy, and like pulls out his fucking Prince Philip piercing. Oh, Jesus! Just a shudder down my my fucking spine. She also at one point, and I was confused about this moment. Uh, they're like, we need money, and so Paul G- or um, Clive Owen's like, I'm gonna go figure out how to get some money. When he returns, Monica Bellucci's gone, and the ba- and the baby is gone, and he walks out to the fucking alley, and Monica Bellucci is blowing a guy, and then fucking Clive Owen beats the shit out of this dude, and she's like, I was trying to get us money, and he's like, not like that. <laughs> and again, it was just a weird moment of being like, I don't know, it seems like she was, do- she was doing her part to help, and like, that is her, that, that is her current vocation. <laughs> I'm not saying that I approve of it, but I'm also like, don't be disrespectful for somebody who fucking took initiative. <laughs> you didn't have anything, Mr. Smith. Like yeah, she's they, trying to help you. And then they bought the, uh, the baby, a, a bulletproof vest that never comes into play. No, no, I never do even, think it, what? It looks adorable. Oh yeah. It fits. It fits around him. Just like a little crib. Um, all right, but we got to continue. So then, so then he, what he, uh, they have, there's the car chase scene, right? Yeah. Where she, where he puts the baby in the, um, passenger seat floor of the car and then goes on a full on car chase where like the bait, the car is like flipped at one point and you're like, what is happening with this baby? And then the baby gets run over and you realize it's a, somehow he got his hands on a like 
working like tactile like animatronic animatronic baby baby that looked like it shows that robot baby's face and it looks exactly like how did they get a baby doll that looked exactly like that baby on such short notice with no money he like fucking robbed pinewood he just was like all right i'm gonna (laughs) rob the prop department and then just make a quick cast of this fucking baby's gross little baby face toss it over this robot and then yeah it gets run over but the real baby is in a fucking tank yeah in like the middle of a museum with monica bellucci we also missed probably the most iconic scene of this movie i can't believe he skipped over it what scene which is when they go uh this is like right after their um they discover like he when clive owen kind of like has the brain blast and figures out like the whole thing with the, the metal shop Monica Bellucci like freaks out on him one night and is like, you never asked me what happened to my baby. And he's like, okay, what happened to your baby? And she was like, I was hit in the stomach by my pimp and my baby was stillborn. And he's like, you're right. I'm the worst person in the world for not asking that. And it's, it's such a weird moment. And then they have sex. And then, yeah. And then he, then they immediately, no, it's not, they don't have sex immediately after. Cause I remember that was like, this is weird. Cause I remember them having sex here. They didn't have sex. He like holds her while she cries and tries to get away from him. And then it immediately cuts to, He's him explaining the, the parts of a gun to the baby. <laughs> yes. He's explaining the parts of a gun to a baby. He's like, this is the nose. This is the trigger. But the most important thing is your finger because this is your number one safety and whatever. And he's explaining it to the baby like you would explain anything to a baby. Very softly, very measured. And Monica Bellucci peeks in and is like, wow, he's a really good dad. He's explaining <laughs> gun control to a fucking baby that was born this day. <laughs> Was born mere hours. It was still dark out when the baby was born, Cole. And, and then we might be two days later at this point. Is it still the same day? It's got to be a couple days later because because the the scene at the playground happens like the next day. But when has this baby slept? He's been on the run the whole time. I don't know. When is it? Tough it's first day eaten. for a baby. Well, and it didn't. But yeah, because the first time he brings it to to um, Monica Bellucci, it does like the baby doesn't latch on, and so she's like, "Fuck you! It doesn't like me. Get it away." Uh, and so it's like, when did it, when did they form the bond so that the baby is now feeding for Monica? I don't know. I don't but care about that. <laughs> you don't care about the logistics about babies work. No, this is not, bode in, not real in well for your up. future. Not in shoot them up. Not in shoot them up. I want real babies. None of this robot baby nonsense. Um, but yeah, so then this is where when he's explaining how guns work to a fucking baby, Monica Bellucci kind of like stands in the doorway all sexily. And it took me a while to figure out because she's eating something. And I was like, what is she eating right now? You know what she's eating, Cole? She's eating a jar of baby food. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) With her finger as the spoon, which is gross. Then Clive Owen walks up to her and she's like, you're really good with kids. Do you want a, a finger full of fucking chopped up peas? And like shoves it in his mouth. And he's like, num, num, num. I want smashed peas. And, you know, on one hand, I'm like, this is this. The, if Monica Bellucci wants to feed me anything, go for it. I, I, I buy it. I draw the line at baby food. It it's looks prob- disgusting. It's probably carrot puree. You know, that dude loves carrots. That's very true. This is true. This wascally wabbit. Um, and, yeah, so they start having sex. This is the scene that, like, everyone remembers from this movie. I just recorded a podcast yesterday. I didn't remember and it. So, 
And I was like, oh, I'm doing shoot 'em up. And he was like, isn't that the scene where the, the Clive Owen's having sex and then there's a shootout? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that is what happens. They're having sex and he doesn't stop for a minute. And these fucking gangsters are coming in and he is all over the place shooting them. And they play it like Monica Bellucci is completely unaware. Yeah. <laughs> because Clive Owen's got the best dick in New York City. <laughs> it's just... It's fucking so silly. I I admire again all this stuff. I'm like on the page. I admire the audacity of a movie like this, of like this kind of a schlocky grindhouse kind of action movie. But it really is kind of like once it plays out, like once you get the idea, it it's not necessarily as fun as you want it to be as it continues. Yeah, it loses. Did you? What are your feelings on? Quick. Yeah, what are your feelings on the the sex scene shootout? It's fine. I mean, it's if it's probably it's maybe the worst of the shootouts. <laughs> well, yeah, he's concentrating on other things. Yeah, I, I mean, but I, I don't know. It's it definitely it's definitely different. Uh, I had, like I said, I'd I'd forgotten about it between viewings because I'd forgotten everything other than the fact that Clive Owen and Paul Giamatti are in this movie and the carrot thing. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. It's it's a big deal. I mean, the carrot arguably has a more important role than Monica Bellucci in this. I was really upset that Monica Bellucci didn't get to do any action. Like she really is just resigned to caring for this child the entire time. She she kind of assists in the sex scene shootout. She's like pushing off of walls and stuff like that, and you know. Re- but she's unaware. She's him. unaware of what she's doing. Hey, she's a natural. She's a natural action movie. <laughs> Femme fatale. <laughs> This is, I, I guess ice you're these right. dudes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, so then the this is where we go to like the museum where they're hiding out in the in the tank. Uh, this is also where we get a really weird scene where this mother is like reprimanding her child and she's like threatening to spank her kid. And Clive Owen has one of his famous "You know what I hate" lines. And walks up to this lady and then just starts unsolicited spanking this woman in the middle of public, in the, in public, but no one's going to arrest or talk to Clive Owen, I guess. Um, he had to make a distraction so she could get in the tank. Yeah. One of the IMDB bullshit facts that I was reading was apparently this actress was very thrilled that she got to play this role in this movie. And she kept screwing up takes because she kept smiling and laughing when Clive Owen was spanking her. Hey, fair enough. Good for, uh, good for her. I'm happy for her. <laughs> Live your truth, lady. Would we would that we were all so lucky. Um, but now we go to the gun factory. He notices the the name of the gun, uh, one of the guns that the the gangsters has, and he goes to the gun factory and he realizes Paul Giamatti is in bed with these gun manufacturers. So while they're having this whole exposition scene, Clive Owens running around like you were saying, Kevin McAllistering this entire setup here with all of these fucking puppet strings yeah and put it where like it's like you don't know where he gets any of this material it doesn't matter shoot him up wants you to know it doesn't yeah he must have like a significant number of pulleys to make this work and i don't know why they would just have pulleys laying around for him like where he's get where is he getting the string and everything (laughs) but yeah he basically builds a a bunch of handles with where he can like pull on them from the command center and it it just kills people as they're approaching him it's a cool idea for a scene i like this scene quite a bit yeah it's very it's very over the top it's i it's i very... this might be the best of the shootouts uh at least after like post 
after you escape from like his hideout, it, I think this is definitely the high point. Yeah, I would agree. I think this is the best. This is probably my favorite shootout in the movie. Um, but then, <laughs> um, and so then, like, really, the next thing that happens is he uh, gets approached, and they're like, you know, the 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 senator, or he's like, I, I want to talk to the senator, and they're like, okay, cool. We'll have a meeting with the senator now. You're going to have to come with us up on this plane to talk to the senator. Um, and he talks to this senator, finds out, kind of confirms all of his theories about the baby farm and the bone marrow transfers and everything like that. And this guy's like, yeah, no, I'm super against gun control, but I'm super into baby marrow. So I want, you know, six in one and half dozen in another as long as I can get my shit. Save the and children. Then, JFK Jr. will rise again. Hell yeah, man. Don't take any vaccines. Just give me baby marrow. But then, but Clive Owen notices the guy has a bunch of dog hair on his leg and he saw the gun manufacturer earlier had a dog and makes the logical leap. Oh, this guy's setting me up. He's now in league with the gun manufacturers and I'm getting set up and takes the senator hostage. And he's right, which just like, how do you know? How do you know that this guy doesn't just have a dog of his own? Like, like, ha- like you he's just, a white senator. Yeah, he definitely has a dog from like from like New England, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he's like from New Hampshire or some bullshit. But yeah, there's just, just like I see this guy's dog must really like you. I will say, great dog acting on that dog because in the previous scene where we saw the dog, first we see him just kind of like chilling on the ground. It's a nice, beautiful German Shepherd, mm-hmm. and then. The next time you see him, the gun manufacturer is like sitting on the ground and this dog is laying with his stomach up on the gun manufacturer, <laughs> just like getting belly rubs. And that dog looks so fucking happy. Yeah. Great dog. And I was a great dog acting. Great dog acting from that guy. Um, so, yeah. So then Paul Giamatti and the gun manufacturer walk out because they were on the plane, too. <laughs> I, I did find that very funny. That's yeah, like, oh, yeah, no, we're we're here too. <laughs> um, and it's when this happens that Paul uh, Clive Owen shoots the guy, shoots the fucking senator in the well, head. Well, he well he takes him underneath into like the like the storage area, like the cargo area, and he's yeah. like he's like I'm going to assassinate him, and his death will be announced, and he'll get like wide wide support for all of his policies. And Clive Owen like outlines this whole thing, and they're like, you won't do it like and then the senator is like oh just do it let me die with some dignity and you think like oh it's gonna get out and then clive Owen actually does just shoot him straight between the eyes and kills him and it's like yeah. oh okay didn't really expect that to happen so suddenly but he, like i actually i did kind of like that part i like that part too like i, I like that subversion the problem yeah. is the movie has no interest in following it through yeah like we get you, you can't tell us that this guy and the politics of this guy are important and that he feels guilt over getting in bed with these gun with, with the gun runners. But then he's like, kill me so that my my legacy of gun control and like, you know, widespread gun regulations can live on. And then he does kill him. But we have no follow up with how people react to it. We have no follow up with it. There's literally we never see an announcement that he's been killed. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It just really doesn't matter. So it's at this point that Clive Owen is like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to jump out of this here airplane with all these other gangsters. And we're going to have a shootout in the sky. This felt very crank. This is like a hundred percent Chev Chelios territory. And oh my God, this looks like a fucking TikTok background. Yeah. It's so, it's really bad. 
It's atrocious. This is a $40 million movie. This movie, Cole, this movie in 2007 cost the same amount as Michael Bay's Ambulance <laughs> in 2022. Which means by Which now is it a, probably is like $58 million or something like that. So one and a half ambulances budget. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's inexcusable. I don't see it. Yeah. Where is it? Where is it? Yeah. Can this I don't get be an it. ambulance pod now? We can pivot to ambulance <laughs> at the end. If one of us recommends it, then we can talk about it. <laughs> um. um so yeah. So the, we have this terrible, terrible shootout. This is by far the worst action scene, I think. Yeah. Um. It's a great idea. Again, all of this, I'm like, I'm on board for with the idea. Like if it's one of those things where if somebody pitched this to me in an elevator, I'd be like, great. When can I watch it? I can pay $4.99 to own it. I'll do it. And then I watch it and I go, I bet if I would have bought myself a coffee, I would have felt a little bit better about this purchase. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, we also now live in a world where like Mission Impossible Fallout has come out and we have the scene of Tom Cruise diving out of the plane and then you're like oh like the the obviously he's not diving into a real storm but the skydiving looks real and then like we have behind the scenes footage showing how he filmed it and it literally is just like you know he he's just like yeah i had to like he has all this detail like yeah i had to do the dive and i had to stay exactly three feet away from the camera like not you know not like 37 inches not 35 inches but three feet like and it's just you have that and it just makes this like clearly very fake (laughs) it like maybe it looked better at the time but now it has just not aged well. Yeah. Would you, how much money would you pay for like, if the Mission Impossible franchise started doing like a Mission Impossible six and a half and it was Fallout, but then every time they did an action set piece, the movie kind of paused and then like a little screen of Christopher McQuarrie and, and Tom Cruise comes up and is like, here's how we did this stunt. And it's just like, it weds all of the behind the scenes stuff with the actual movie. That'd be pretty like cool. Like how they do with the Jackass movies. Yeah. That'd... I would, I would buy that instantly yeah it's like uh what is it video vh1 video yearbook for music videos but just with uh, kick-ass action sequences yeah that sounds great sign me I think up you're for the that first you're the first person to bring up video yearbook and <laughs> maybe is in that maybe even the name years. of the program i'm probably wrong i don't know but i i remember exactly what you're talking about where you just get like live commentary on the music videos yeah yeah um so now we get to my next note here. Yeah, after like they shoot the senator, I was just like, "Is this movie about anything?" Because if it isn't, then why are we playing with terms like gun control and stuff <laughs> like that? Like, why are we? You, I don't know. I just don't, like. I feel like again, it feels a little negligent to 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 put that in the midst of like this big grindhouse movie that also has all of the like all of this shooting and is very deliberately like. Michael Davis, in like the one interview I read, was pretty much just like, no, no, no. Every action set piece had to involve guns. Like we had to, like the whole game of this movie is how many different ways can we fire a gun and how many different ways can someone be killed by bullets that like, which I think they, they find like there are some bits of invention in here, but it is, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I just like that part kind of rubbed me a weird way because I was just like, I feel like you're trying to say something but you don't know what you're trying to say yeah and you're playing you're you're playing with ingredients that you don't know how to cook with yeah i don't know i yeah i don't i don't know i don't really think that this movie has too much uh behind it from that from that angle i don't know if it has that much to say um so long story short clive owen gets kidnapped by paul giamatti and the gun runner and now he's in like this fucking estate this fire 
where, where we're getting like all these big speeches or whatever. Uh, they're breaking Clive Owen's fingers in a very upsetting scene. It looks so bad. By by the end of this movie, it looks like he's wearing goddamn Hulk hands. Like his hands are like <laughs> eight times. Like his his fingers are like are like eight inches in circumference. Like his hands have swollen to the size of like the largest size of baseball glove, baseball mitt you yeah. can find. And his his fingers are just like pointing off. They're like completely gray and they're like pointing off at 90 degree angles. Like when it's like when not when Paul Giamatti like breaks his fingers, it's not like any like the finger just like dangles down or anything. He's, he's like breaking him at like the middle joint. But they just the fingers just stay sticking perfectly at a 90 degree <laughs> angle. It's just it's like it's- grotesque. I feel like it's. I mean, you you were just talking to me yesterday about how much you love the hot dog fingers in, uh, <laughs> in everything everywhere. This is kind of the same thing. Yeah, you know, uh, these are nice little fat sausage fingies. Yeah, maybe maybe a, maybe a little better in everything everywhere. <laughs> just a little. Yeah, but the um, yeah. So he's getting his his fucking he's getting his shit wrecked right now. And then they're like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna go in with a scalpel. I love this kill. I really really do. Where they stab him through the hand, and then he just fucking like. Well, no, he he there. He's about to stab him in the eye, and then he headbutts Paul Giamatti, and the scalpel gets stuck through his head, and then he gets it through his hand by like, right. I think that's what happens, right? Yeah, and then it's it's in his hand, and this this is where the digital blood is like at its worst because there's one point where he like. Does like a, a Dragon Ball Z like Kamehameha, but with blood. And but he squirts out like a pint of blood into this guy's face to distract him. And he's like, he sprays it all over the gun runner's face. The gun runner's face is covered with blood. And then he just like, because he's got the scalpel sticking out of the middle of his palm, and he just fucking like hits the dude in the head. He's just like hitting people with the scalpel, which is really fun. I like that move quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but then. He can't really, uh, you know, he can't really shoot with his guns anymore because all of his fingies are broken. Yeah. And so he's having a real hard time trying to shoot Paul Giamatti. Yeah, Paul Giamatti continues to just boast and brag for some reason. He has not learned his lesson yet that he needs to just kill this fucking guy. (laughs) Yeah, Paul Giamatti. The only thing I wish from Paul Giamatti, and I feel like he would do this if he was given carte blanche, but I guess, you know... Every dollar of this $40 million budget needed to go to CGI blood and back backgrounds. They couldn't have just given like allotted like $5 a day for a Lay's potato chip budget so that Paul Giamatti is just constantly shoveling sour cream and onion <laughs> chips into his mouth. Yeah, Don't cheddar and sour cream some... ruffles. That's a, that would be a... Yeah. Just into the ridges. Yeah. It's just like, I'm, in, I'm, I'm a ridge chip guy. Constantly talking with his mouth half full. I think that would have been fucking great. Yeah. Just up the gross factor. He yeah, could make some really comment up. about how his wife doesn't let him keep tra- stuff like that at the house because his, his cholesterol is high. Yeah, he's like, oh, every time I go out and I do a mission, this is my only time to eat potato <laughs> chips. Like, Great, great like, Paul Giamatti. Oh, thank you. It'd be one thing to, like, you set up the fucking carrot thing with Kaivo Owen that he's always got a carrot and he's always eating healthy. Why don't you set up the Paul Giamatti? He's always munching on fucking cheddar and sour cream ruffles. <laughs> It's right there. Yeah. We have a whole commentary on school lunches. It's great. Um, but then Paul Giamatti, this is one of, I, I like this move quite a bit where uh, Clive Owen, like pretty much it pulls, pulls another one liner on him, but then 
Paul Giamatti looks at his hand, and because Clive Owen's hand is so fucked up and his nerve endings are gone from a scalpel being in the middle of his hand and his fingers all being broken, he's got five or four bullets in like the creases of his fingers, and he's just holding his hand in the fire until it heats up the bullets enough to shoot Paul Giamatti in the chest, which is a rad move. Yeah. Which still doesn't kill like Paul that. Giamatti, and then he, they have to have like one more like like Mexican standoff where like, Paul Giamatti gets shot in the chest, and like literally like a cylinder of his torso is blown away. I guess because the yeah. other the those other four bullets had weakened the structural integrity of his sternum, so the the last bullet just finally <laughs> blew it all out. Well, I mean, even when he shoots it, you see in Paul Giamatti's chest cavity, his lung is still going. Yeah. It's not like he shot anything impressive. He just shot his, like, spine. Yeah, he shot a bunch of skin away. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, how good is this guy's aim, really? I mean, if he's still... There's got to be something in Paul Giamatti he's going to want to live. Um, but yeah, so he shoots and he kills Paul Giamatti. As he's doing... Yeah, his wife calls and, and divorces him while he's, like, dying. Oops. And then, yeah, and then Clive Clive leaves with the dog, goes, meets up with Monica Bellucci. There's one last shootout with people robbing this, like, 1940s ice cream shop that Monica Bellucci is working at. I don't know why they chose now, to rob this place. Um, well, and what's what's also weird is she's working there as, like, a, like a, like a soda jerk, pretty much. Like, a wait- she's a waitress at this place. I don't think anybody's used the term soda jerk since fucking yeah, weird pull. American Graffiti. <laughs> um, but... She, yeah, she walks in. Clive Owen's just kind of sitting there with his back to the door. You hear her walk in, put the baby on a table. A foot away from him. Mama's going to work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mama's going to work. You stay right here. It's like, this is a a fucking live business right now, lady. You can't just leave your goddamn baby on a table. What if, what if we get fucking about, what if we get the lunch rush? We're going to need to move your baby. Yeah, baby Oliver's you going on top ba- of the grill at that point. He's just... You put your baby in the back. Yeah, with all the other babies. Next to the fryer. Yeah, get this baby some life skills. Um, but yeah, so then she sees Clive Owen. She's got a legit job now. She's no longer a sex worker. That's, that's what this movie's politics are. And um, he's like, baby Oliver, so good to see you. And then these three fucking tweakers come in. Uh, and he shoots him up as the title says and then we get the end that's the end of the movie 86 minutes one and done that's cinema no sequels well what what, what more is there to see I don't know but I could have seen them trying to to fuck like trying to really milk this concept for a while I could have really seen them trying to do it I couldn't find honestly I could not find a ton of other facts about this movie i know that clive owen was apparently the first choice for for this role first and only choice he was the only actor they approached with it and he was like hell yeah i'll do it fuck james bond (laughs) um and i found out which is kind of cool monica bellucci recorded her dialogue for this movie for the uh obviously in in, uh english but she also did the italian dub and she did the spanish dub for this movie Yeah, which I found to be kind of interesting. Incredibly impressive. It's kind of like how Vin, yeah, like how Vin Diesel does Groot in all of the languages. <laughs> um, she is the original Groot. Um, let me see if I can find anything else. But but yeah, that's pretty much it. That is Shoot 'Em Up from the Year of Our Lord 2007. Cole, this movie had a 49% Metacritic score. So there were some there were some positive reviews here. Fucking uh, Peter Travers and Rolling Stone gave this movie three out of four stars. Like. 
Tasha Robinson gave it three out of four stars. Like, good critics like this movie. Uh, and so, what? I, I guess I, I want to know at this point, what do you think? Yeah, it's. I, I mean, like I said, I definitely didn't. I remember loving it when I was when I was in high school, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, it like I think it loses its steam and its charm pretty early on. I surprisingly think the shootouts are probably worse than like the the, the interchanges between Clive Owen and Paul Giamatti. Um, I do like against all odds, it is Clive Owen and Paul Giamatti, so it's at least entertaining yeah. a lot of the time. Um, I I definitely wouldn't say like don't watch it. It's eighty seven minutes, which or like you said, it's like eighty six or eighty seven minutes, like literally under an hour and a half. Which is makes a lot of its sins a lot more forgivable because you're not really devoting that much time to it. Yeah, I think I would I would echo that sentiment. To me, this is a like this is a quintessential two a.m. watch. Yeah, like this is a like you're still awake for some reason. You perhaps you've imbibed something. Like there's no harm in watching shoot 'em up. Yeah, there are worse ways to spend your time. There are certainly better ways to spend your time, and there are certainly better action movies. But for what it is, it's 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 fine. Like I think this is a like completely middle of the road, like two and a half star movie. It's got some inventive sequences. Clive Owen, I still think, is pretty good in it. Um, and it's fun to watch Giamatti go go like full ham in this. Um, and and I you know I wish that they gave Monica Bellucci more to do than be a mammary tap, but apparently that's that was the extent of what people thought that they could do with women in action movies in the mid two thousands. Um, so yeah, I guess like a light recommend. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. Now, like we always do at this time, is there a modern analog to shoot 'em up? We talked through a few. Again, we don't like any of the movies we've mentioned, though. Yeah, I'm gonna recommend Ambulance. It's in theaters right now. It is an action movie that it, it very much plays with the fact that it's an action movie. It's got a bunch of characters. Michael Bay directed the movie. It's got a bunch of characters referencing Michael Bay movies. It is yeah. it, very you, similarly. You keep calling it a what? You keep calling it a movie, Cole. This is a movement. <laughs> this is Michael Bay directed the ambulance movement. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is basically in the same kind of movie that Paul Giamatti is and is in and shoot him up. <laughs> Um, Put him in the same co- movie. Cocaine Jake, just uh, on fire on all cylinders, um, just so hot. Is it weird? Such a. I like, I like Danny Sharp as a character more than Donnie Darko. I think. <laughs> I was like, I would watch ten more movies with Jake Gyllenhaal playing this exact same person. That Donnie Darko is another movie I haven't seen since high school, and I haven't really felt the inclination. Maybe we'll have to do that at some point. But yeah, I I, I love the ambulance. I love Danny Sharp. It's a great movie. I I can not, I can't do anything but but echo your sentiments there. I it like Ambulance is one of the it's it is probably the most fun I have had at a movie theater in I mean in probably a couple of years because of the pandemic. Yeah. So I but I had a fucking blast. Um and everyone in my theater had a blast. It sucks that no one's going to see this movie and it's going to be out of theaters soon because Fantastic Beasts needs to operate in 10 or 6 auditoriums, but it really was like everyone in the movie theater that I saw it in all like 14 people were really, really into it and having a great, like there was applause at the end of the movie. <laughs> I mean, I there let should it be, but, I, but, but there was applause. It was great. It's a great movie. Um, I'm going to recommend, uh, I'm going to recommend the raid, the raid redemption. Probably. 
I, that's the other movie I kept thinking of that like it's it's a lot more self-serious than this but it is also a movie that's got like 10 lines of dialogue so you could ostensibly really not take it seriously at all and just go in and watch the action set pieces and it's got a lot more of a diverse array of setups for its action sequences yeah actual absolutely genius action choreography in that movie yeah I just rewatched it a couple weeks ago we just showed Eric the raid for the first time um and you know and that movie's fucking great and the sequel may be better like genuinely maybe even better yeah i've been needing to rewatch the sequel for a while i've got both of them i need to just but it's like the sequel is like two and a half hours it's like 40 minutes longer than the first one it is a long movie that's the only reason that it's not it's 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 better in action but may not be better as a movie <laughs> yeah but still the frenetic energy like the camera movements and everything uh of the raid kind of reminded me a little bit of shoot 'em up um, because there is a little bit of a video game cutscene quality to this movie, um, and I, that I think Shoot 'Em Up emulates pretty uh, pretty authentically in that in that movie and fits that that style a lot better. But yeah, that's Shoot 'Em Up from the year two thousand and seven. Cole, anything you want to plug? No, I just plug all your stuff. Sounds good. We got the Vanishing Act out on all podcast platforms. It's free. We've got 17 episodes, two full seasons. We also have two Q&As for those uh, seasons out, uh, answering fan questions and everything like that. So that's cool. We also have a Tee Public store for that. Lauren designed all the merch. It looks great. If you want to support us in any way, you can absolutely do that. If you write us a five-star review on Not Another Film Podcast, we will read it online uh, or on air. We'll do it right here. I'll do it. I don't care. Write whatever you want. I don't screen it. Um, and uh, if you have any extended universe Star Wars needs, obviously Eric has you covered over at the Living Force podcast on the Utini Podcast Network. I have no idea who Kate, Cad Bane is. He does. Listen to those shows if you also know who Cad Bane is. Do you know who or Cad you Bane wanna is? Know. No, is that a real character? I thought you were making that up. Yeah, I think so. I think he was on the Book of Boba Fett. Okay. A show, a show that, that is definitely not a real show. Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't watched any of it. Rad. Well, that's all I got. Until we come at you next time, Cole, thank you very much for shooting them up with me yeah, on this. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being the Oliver to my twist, the <laughs> memory to my tap. The uh, Mr. to your Smith. <laughs> the Waskily Wabbit to my Elmer Fudd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks very much for listening, folks. Have a good time. We will see you next time. <laughs>